0: Hello, everyone. My name's Mike. I'm the pastor of Watch It Baptist Church. You're joining us for our regular teaching. We've been working our way through 1 Peter and we're carrying on with that today. We're looking at chapter 4, verses 1 to 11, and we'll read that in a moment. But first, let's pray. Lord, give us humility to accept your version of how the world works ahead of our own, and give us listening ears and a sense of joy that you want to share with us through your word. Amen. So here we go. Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude, because whoever suffers in the body has finished with sin. As a result, they do not live the rest of their earthly lives for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. For you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. They are surprised you did not join them in their reckless wild living, and they heap abuse on you. They will have to give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. But this is the reason the gospel was preached, even to those who are now dead, so that they might be judged according to human standards in regard to the body, but live according to God in regard to the spirit. The end of all things is near, Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To
1: him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. In the late 1970s, a guy called Douglas Adams, who had been writing Doctor Who episodes, wrote
0: The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. And as part of that story, there is an alien called Zaphod Beeblebrox who has decided to grow himself a third arm, and a second head. And he has one of these tremendously sort of mortal peril type experiences where there's an explosion and he drops like a stone through a wet paper bag, as Marvin the, the robot tells him. And he says, so my entire life flash before my eyes. And then he says, well, I assume it was mine. Didn't necessarily recognize all of it. Anyway, there is this sense that in traumatic situations, in situations of mortal peril, uh, of life-threatening circumstance, that we see our life played back before us. It's the kind of thing that you might expect from someone who's facing disaster up a mountain, sure that the next thing that's going to happen is they will fall and possibly never be found. Somebody in that situation, if it turns out they survive, might become a big campaigner for the air ambulance. Can you see how that situation of, of terror, of fear, of, of sudden and intense realisation of mortality can t- totally turn a life upside down? Peter, faced with the reality of a just God, a God who wants to bring justice,
1: is talking about that kind of perspective. As Peter begins this section, he wants his audience to see that he understands this kind of
0: refocusing of life, kind of away from a a succession of distractions, uh, things that might occupy you for a bit, but don't really have a lot to them, and into a life that has purpose. Because Jesus' death and resurrection opens a door for disciples to have a life that's going somewhere, that has living hope to it, that has an inheritance with it too. He says at best that old life didn't really go anywhere and at worst it could hurt not only you but those around you and by carrying on that way God too. Then he says some of the people who you know from your past life don't really get why you have become the people you've become. More like that, more than that they're so sort of wrong-footed by it that they actually start having a pop at you for being different. Perhaps you know from your own experience or the experience of those around you, of situations where this kind of response has happened as someone has first come to know Jesus. Perhaps we wonder whether all this being certain makes people wonder about themselves and where they're going with their lives. Peter wants his hearers, his, uh, the disciples who are in these churches that he's writing to, to recognise the step that they've taken from where they've come to where they are now and that they now live the way Jesus asks them to. Jesus is brilliant in this respect because he shows us how God intended humanity to be, and he shows us what divine God is like. So by looking at Jesus, we get to see what humanity is supposed to be, and we get to see what God is like too. Peter reminds new believers that Jesus hasn't walked away.
1: He will return, and that's good news. But it also comes with some tough questions. As Peter writes, he reminds his audience that there is going to be a,
0: he doesn't call it a reckoning, but effectively a reckoning, that there will be a point where judgment happens. He writes that people will have to give an account to God, otherwise, justice doesn't mean very much, does it? So, You might think of injustice as something like um, politicians or presidents boosting their own bank balance while failing to look after those who are in most need, those who are in poverty, sometimes being quite interested in boosting their own bank balance and that of their friends too. You might be thinking of business leaders who fail to tackle bullying in their own company and the place that they created becomes a toxic and damaging environment for so many people particularly often for those who are older or particularly young or women or have a different ethnicity from the majority and there is that sense as well with, with some of our cultural leaders some of them in places of political authority some more in control of media outlets who trade on fear and, and um, sort of national identity in order to create a sense of us and them They're, they highlight cultural divide or even sometimes almost create it. And of course, we've heard of celebrities who abuse their influence and their position of uh, authority or trust uh, and cause harm in doing that. God's justice means that in all of those situations, the people involved are going to be held accountable. Now, I think for most of us, we consider that to be good news. It's important. To us, that those who've suffered injustice receive justice, even if it takes a long time to come. I suspect many of us are very keen to know that God will make things right and that those who have done wrong will have to answer to somebody eventually for it. But even as we entertain that, it's important to remember that we ourselves will be accountable to God for how we live. And although that might not be to do with lining our pockets at the expense of others or allowing a bullying culture to continue, it it still matters because of the things that we do and how we do them. It's things like when we speak unkindly in the heat of the moment because our passion is aroused and our anger flares. It's um, those moments when we quietly pass judgment. On others for their lack of commitment or their lack of um, patience or their self aggrandizement or whatever it might be ostentation that we pass judgment is a challenge for us it's easy for us to see where things aren't right but we need to be very careful how we go about that when we've shared stories that aren't ours to tell when we've taken things that aren't ours to have and even when we fail to step in to help the hungry or the sick or the broken-hearted or the prisoner we, we need to recognize that if justice matters we need to be accountable too and perhaps we need to be those who set a good example of being honest about how we need to be accountable honest about the injustice that we can sometimes participate in if we want God to be a god of justice and I hope I don't speak too generalistically, generally in saying this, I think we believe that we need God to be a God of justice. So if if we believe that's the case, then we need to acknowledge that that justice extends to us
1: and that we can't afford for anybody to be left out of being accountable. The preter presents this reality of the justice that God brings, which
0: is carried through by Jesus, we read in the New Testament in several places. But he also presents what Jesus offers in response to that need for justice. And the answer isn't a trade-off. It's a relationship. It's an answer of love from God to us without conditions. It's an offer of lives cleaned up and freedom offered and hope made into a certainty. It's a shift from the old life to a new life now Peter left behind his old life on the shore of Lake Galilee biggest freshwater lake in Judea and decided instead to live as one of Jesus sort of roving entourage this is the same man who denied ever knowing Jesus and did that three times so Peter knows about having to face up to his own mess and he found it hard but he recognized it was real And he couldn't dodge it or pretend. The thing is, you don't have to, you and I, just like Peter, don't have to keep living in the mistakes of the past. Peter's ministry beyond that moment at the end of John 21, when Jesus is is reconciled with Peter. Peter's life beyond that isn't a constant reliving of those mistakes. It's a different way to live. So Peter knows what he's talking about. He knows about being accountable. He knows about being reconciled. He knows about being able to leave past mistakes behind because Jesus has. And knows about how to live a different way. And then in verse 8, he says this, love each other deeply. And he's not, remember, talking to individuals, he's talking to a group, to to several groups. As this letter gets passed around these churches in, in Western Turkey, it's a call for them to behave as a community in a particular way. Love each other deeply, not just a bit and not just when you feel like it or when it's easy. Now, at this point, I have to refer, I have to, but I'm going to uh, refer to one of my favourite things that C.S. Lewis ever wrote about, which is love. And he said this, do not waste time bothering whether you love your neighbour. Act as if you did. As soon as we do this, we find one of the great secrets. When you're behaving as if you love someone, you presently come to love them. Peter says we have a A call, a responsibility, and an opportunity to speak well and carefully around each other. And you know what? Doing our best, trying hard, isn't always going to cut it. I have no doubt that Peter intended to do his best when he entered the high priest's courtyard. And yet it was there that he denied Jesus. Meaning, well, intending to do your best isn't going to be enough. Because people are hard work. And even sometimes, especially good people, are the hardest work because when they're being difficult, it's unexpected. Good people can be tricky. But we can't do it on our own. And Peter knows this because he knew he needed Jesus. And he knew that when the Spirit came to him and his friends at the beginning of Acts, that that was Jesus saying, for the moments when you need me which is pretty much all of them, I am present through my spirit. We need God. And he wants us to partner with him. We're not supposed to live in isolated ways. So we are supposed to be in situations that are sometimes going to be difficult when it comes to being tender and gentle. We're not supposed to live isolated lives. And Peter knows this and tells us where we should turn. Another New Testament letter puts it in these terms. This is Paul writing in 1 Corinthians 12. Uh, this is verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is part of it. Everyone who knows Jesus is like a different part of the body. What is are designed to move around? They're dynamic. God says, pay attention to how the body moves. When a body is walking, it's not just the feet that move. Some other parts sort of shift for comfort. Others move for motion or balance Toes are really important for that. The heart quickens, the lungs expand, the feet lift, the legs stride, the arms swing, the head moves, and the eyes scan. The check movement is safe and appropriate. All those different parts of the body, each one of you is a part of it. So, if a church wants to move, and that is to say, if a church wants to go where God is directing them to go then every partner needs to move every part of that body needs to move and it needs to move in harmony and that means the love for one another and the love for one another means gentleness it means forgiveness goodness me how many times do we find ourselves in a situation inside the church where somebody else has said something that we feel so personally hit by And we never quite get as far as asking whether that's what they meant or not. We carry some of this stuff. Trauma psychologists talk about it a lot, the way that that something that's hurt can be carried really easily for a very long time. And even when you're not intending to bear a grudge, it can still absolutely shape the way you interact with a group. The love that Peter asks us to have for each other is a love that's expressed in gentleness and forgiveness, we bearing each one another with each other in love. And you'll notice that Peter recognizes the power this love has when he says, "Love covers a multitude of sins, all kinds of
1: stuff that might be done badly, can be handled, can be OK when we love each other. Finally, just to come back to that idea of the
0: body moving together, rigidness doesn't help. Flexibility is absolutely crucial. I wonder how many of us in the church are not so much fingers or toes or heads or arms, but our ligaments or um, um, bits and pieces of things that stretch and make joints work. My wife would be much better at describing how this happens, but how many of us have that role? Let's be the kind of church where love is seen, where love is lived, where we do things in a way that promotes compassion and gentleness. Let's hear God's call and respond as Peter encourages us to do. Don't live like that anymore. Live like this and do it all out of love. Let's pray. Father, give us a greater capacity for tenderness, for patience. For humility. Help us to be disciples who stand together so that we can move together. And help us to take care of
1: one another in every way that you show us. Amen. Okay, here's our three questions. Question number one. What part of the body do you think you
0: might be? In fact, let's make it interesting. Let's see if you're going to face three different things that you think you might bring. So you might think, well, I can be a toe and I can be um, an internal organ of some kind and I can be um, chest hair. I might go for those. They sound good. Choose three things anywhere on the body. Three things that you think
1: might represent what you can bring to the people of God. Question two, we're going to be accountable to Jesus eventually. That's how justice works.
0: So with that in mind, how are you practicing? How do you go about uh, going to God and saying, I need to own up to this? And how are you doing with having somebody else, another disciple alongside
1: you, who you can talk to about the things that you find trip you up? Question three. Imagine a one to five scale where five is someone
0: you love really deeply and one is someone who you kind of love just kind of because you rub shoulders with them. Where do you think you are with most people in the church, other disciples you know follow Jesus too? Do you think you love them at level five really deeply or maybe at level two, kind of a little bit warmed up but not terribly close? Where do you think you're most comfortable
1: in terms of how you share and demonstrate that deep love for each other.